All right. Welcome back, everybody. Matt here with the Anchor Up Podcast. Uh, today, I am very, 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 very fortunate to talk with uh, my good friend, Jake. He is the owner of Launchpeer. So if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're looking to start your business, know what you need to do next in a business, Jake is the guy to talk to. So uh, Jake, I just want to say thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, learn more about you. I've read some of the stuff you've sent me that we'll get into today. You're, you're a very interesting guy. And uh, just from reading what I know about you, you have worked hard to get where you're getting and you definitely can help any aspiring entrepreneur get through adversity in order to become successful. So thank you. Cool. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. So I always started off kind of the same way. So if you could just give our audience just a little bit of a, an introduction about yourself, like uh, how you started, where you've come from, and what got you to the point that you're at today. Yeah, for sure. So I'll start really earlier than I think most people would, just because I think that's important to what we're doing today. So um, when I was growing up as a kid, I grew up in Southern California. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina now. And uh, I was... My mom was a drug addict and my dad was an alcoholic. I'm very open about talking about that. So um, that's nothing new for people who know anything about me. And one of the things I realized was me being an entrepreneur started back then, even though back then I didn't really know what an entrepreneur was. I, I thought, you know, I, my definition of success as a kid from that kind of childhood was what I saw on TV, which was professional athlete, uh, doctor like on ER or... Uh, <laughs> or a lawyer like on law and order like that's what success looked like for someone like me and so i hate blood uh so i wasn't gonna be a doctor uh i could never gain over 180 pounds so i wasn't gonna be a professional athlete <laughs> although i really tried and so then i decided okay well i'll go try to be a lawyer so graduated high school clawed my way into college worked full-time through college uh, and then went to school at night full-time as well so it was a lot um but during that time i was still really focused on wanting to be a lawyer got accepted to law school towards the end of college but then realized most law schools don't let you work full-time while you go to law school and law school is expensive for anybody who's a lawyer out there you definitely know what i'm talking about yeah and i was like okay well what am i going to do like how am i going to pay for this then because i'm going to do it i'm going to find a way to do it so i decided okay let me go look and explore options of what that looks like and you know none of my family had ever been in the military before um i think the military had always sort of interested me growing up i think every you know boy uh at some point is interested in that and i was like okay well let me you know look into it and so this was around 2009 the economy was terrible because uh, it was right after the crash and everybody was joining the army after college because they couldn't find a job so i'm very familiar i, I was a recruiter then <laughs> oh yeah you know yeah. uh so and you probably know this story too it's just like i wanted to go i was going to go to be an officer because i was a college graduate so i was like okay I'll, I'll go be an officer but the wait time to be an officer at the time was like a year yeah and i wasn't joining the army to like build a career in the army that might sound bad but i was really joining the army because i wanted to spend my time serve and then use the gi bill to uh, to go to law school i didn't want to wait that long so i decided to enlist instead so i enlisted uh shipped out like i was like a month later or something like that it was pretty quick uh, was in army intel for about three and a half years. Uh, still wanted to be a lawyer, but towards the end of my career in the army, I got matched up with uh, a mentor through American Corporate Partners. It's like a mentorship program for anybody who doesn't know for people who are transitioning out. And he worked in tech. And if a lot of people who uh, listen to this probably are familiar with 
Intel in the military is really just a lot of like being good at computers and PowerPoint. Uh, so yeah. it was like perfect for me. He's like, Hey, you don't have to go to law school to make, you know, to be successful and make a lot of money. Like you can go straight into this career. And so that's what I decided to do. Went into this career field as a business analyst working for a software development company. Did that for about uh, two years, but that entrepreneurial itch that I got when I was a kid, like selling artwork for lunch money or hustling to just earn whatever I could to, you know, uh, stand in the pay for your lunch line at school versus the free lunch line in school. Uh, I started learning what entrepreneurship was as I started working in tech, because when you work in tech, it's hard to get away from the entrepreneur side of a community, whatever community that you're in. And at that point is when I decided, okay, I really like being an entrepreneur. I started surrounding myself with more entrepreneurs and a lot of them kept asking me questions about how they could build their product. Like, Hey, I want to build an app that does this. Uh, you know, do you know anybody who can help me or can you help me do it? And this happened so consistently. I decided, okay, I could start a business doing this and be successful. So I did that part-time for about six months. And then I just went all in, quit my job. Uh, wife quit her job. We both went all in on starting this company and it was a mess for the first two years. I mean, my wife had to go back to work. It, it, uh, there's a lot of lessons in that and I'm sure we can talk about that. But then all of a sudden we got very clear on specific of who we wanted to help and what we wanted to do. And we went from, you know, the two of us and a couple of contractors all the way to 15 employees in office you know, all that stuff within the next year. So it really took a couple of years to get things off the ground. Uh, and then fast forward five years from that is where we are today. So today what Launchpeer is, is a startup uh, incubator program. Uh, we're focused on tech startups. So if you're building something in the software space, like you have an app idea for the next Uber or uh, something totally new that no one's ever heard of before, what we do is entrepreneurs come into our program with just a napkin sketch idea and then it's the program is designed to get them from just the idea to proving it in the market, building the first version of it, uh, getting their first users and customers, and then getting their first checks from investors. So you walk in with an idea, ideally you walk out with the cash from investors that you need in order to continue growing the company. That's amazing. So that's, 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 it's actually, it, it's funny to hear you go, okay, lawyer, doctor, athlete that's success <laughs> yeah. right and now here's here's what's funny is a lot of people they still see that right I, i'm sure now a days uh and you guys work in the tech space right you probably have everybody coming to you saying they're going to make the next TikTok or the next snapchat or the next whatever right because once you see those things blow up you're like oh those guys are rich all i got to do is create something everybody will look at but what they don't realize is just like you kind of found through that time coming out of the army because you were fortunate enough to get you know, partnered with a, a, a program that allows you to talk to people to help you be successful on the outside, you realize, oh man, there's more to do than just that. And so if you wouldn't have had that opportunity, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? So like, uh, it's, it's the same, the same deal, like coming out of high school, I, um, you know, I wanted to be a soccer player. I played soccer. I learned to play soccer in Germany. So my, that was my whole role. But then I was like, man, I don't want to get student loans to pay for college, right? So I'm, I, I was against joining them. I was a military kid, so I was against it. I didn't want to join uh, the military. I, I didn't want to go in. Uh, my dad was uh, Air Force, stepfather was in the Army, and I was just like, I'm not doing it. And so uh, as I got closer and closer, I was like, well, I don't want to go to college and get loans, right? 
nobody's knocking on my door to be a soccer player in college. So I was like, oh, I'll join the military. And for me, it was a way to, to get away and to be on my own. Like, that's why I did it. Right. I'm away, be on my own. And, and for you, it was, uh, I need to go to law school, right? Same kind of deal. Right. But, you know, after I got in, you know, my original reason for leaving was to be on my own and be my own person. And um, after that, what I realized doing 22 years in the Navy, I was like, man, I actually did do it because I wanted to serve, right? And I, and I liked that feeling of helping people, right? So I went to be a recruiter. And so uh, it's, it's just the choices you make down the line kind of get you to where you're going to be. And, you know, like you even said, you and your wife both went all in on it, right? We're right. Here to do yeah. it. All, all in. <laughs> yeah. And and there's tons. So you said that there was a lot of lessons learned in what you were, what you guys were doing. And I think a lot of people nowadays, they like, like I was just talking about, you and I both made decisions to go certain routes. We kind of stuck with it once we found that other alternative. And I think the key there is not being afraid to follow what you think is right. But the other problem is people get those bumps in the road that you and your wife experienced and then they stop. They don't want to go any right. further because like it's too hard. So walk people through like what are some of the things that you hit in a bump in a road to start your own company that you all of a sudden were like, oh, well, I didn't see that one coming, right? What are the what are the things people should really think about when they're doing this? And how did you work through those? And what lessons did you learn on the back end of it, right? Yeah. So the first kind of bump in the road or mistake I made was thinking that um, if you build something good that people will just find out about it. <laughs> um, I didn't, you know, cause I didn't work in marketing or sales. Like I had never done a role like that before. And I just assumed because I was doing this part-time and when Launchpeer first started the first few years, we were just a software development company. We weren't an accelerator. We were just building software for startups. And the thing that I was doing part-time was I was getting these little contracts here and there from people that I had already known or, you know, people that I met around town. Once we did that enough and I decided, okay, this could actually work. Let's go all in. I should have waited or at least should have put more effort into learning the importance of marketing and sales, like getting your work, getting your message out there because you can build and this happens all the time with the startups we work with. They think if they build something great that people are just going to find out about it, you know, and, and a lot of them think about the product first and then they think about the sales and marketing second. That's a huge mistake because I know people who have mediocre products or services or do a mediocre job at whatever it is that they do, but have a ton of customers and, uh, you know, make a ton of money, but it's because they're good at the sales and marketing side of things. And that bleeds over into ideally you take that and then build a better version of your product or a bigger product or get better at whatever it is that you do. We didn't do that. We went all in thinking that the product was great. And so people would just find out about us. Once we had exhausted the people that we had direct contact with, we were kind of left thinking like, okay, there's no more money coming in. Like, how are we going to get people to find us? And that's what took like years to, figure out. So that was the first mistake I made. If I could go back and do it again, I would have told myself, you know, at that point, I'm, you know, I'm 34 now and I, uh, this was seven years ago. So, uh, you know, I would have told that version of myself, like, Hey, before you quit, 
go read some books on sales and marketing first and then, and sure. then go well, ahead I and figure that out and then go ahead and leave. Every, every profession is like that, right? Not just the technology space, but you know, so I do real estate, right? I'm a realtor. Mm -hmm. um, my niche for my real estate business is helping veterans. You know, I am a veteran. Right. I, I, I know what it's like to move and, and, and buy or rent a house when you don't even see it. Right. So I can appeal to that. But the biggest problem that I had uh, is, is that right. I exhausted my friends and family, right? And I and I and I didn't get to the point where it's like you need to go out there and showcase yourself, right? So that's the one mm -hmm. thing that we learn in the military, right? Especially when you get into that leadership position, it's not about you. Like you don't matter. It's the people doing the job that you're leading, you need to be there for them. Make them shine. Right. The mission gets accomplished, right? Without everybody, it doesn't get done. So coming to the other side and being outside of the military, I was in the same boat and I kind of did that. It was like, well, I'm really good at talking to people and I can relate to them. You know, I did what a lot of people do. I'm gonna go get this real estate license. I'm gonna get one person that wants to sell a house. I get to put one sign in the yard. Business is gonna blow up, right? And it's yeah, not true. Exactly. It's hard work. And so I didn't yeah. realize that. So what are some of what are some suggestions you would give people looking to get into business, right? And we're not even just talking, you know, you guys specialize in software and tech, right? But any business, like what would you recommend somebody do when it's coming in to start? Like, I'm sure there's steps you would take, like when you told your, your younger self, go read a sales and marketing book. What kind of advice do you give people now as they're coming in? Or what kind of questions do you ask them when they come to you and they've got this idea or they started, you know, what are you guys walking through? Yeah, the first thing that we ask is what they've done to prove that people actually want this first. Uh, usually the answer is either nothing um, or the answer has something to do with I've talked to my friends about it or I've talked to my family about it or something like that. And my thinking is, one, if you don't prove it at all, that's a mistake. I mean, and it also shows that like you have a, a fairly large ego if you think that you don't need to talk to people about your idea and you just think that it's gonna be huge because that doesn't work that way. Like you might think your idea is great yeah. and I wouldn't deny that in some situations, but I, in our program, the first thing that we do is we have our founders break apart the, uh, this concept of the idea and the offer. Because those are two very different things. Like. An idea is usually what's in an entrepreneur's head. Like it's just sitting there. It's this concept that you have of how you want to change an industry or a business or a process you want to put in place or something like that. The offer is how you take that idea and phrase it for an audience, like for the general public. Like for you, the idea is real estate, right? Uh, and, you know, being a great realtor and, you know, providing a great service and stuff. Well, the offer is being very specific to veterans and their needs. And cause I mean, you can be a realtor for anyone. It's not like there's a special license for being a realtor for veterans, right? Yeah. You made your offer something very specific and then tailored your product around that offer. So that way people who are veterans are like, I have to work with this guy, but if they're not veterans, then you're kind of, it's not like you're turning them away, but like your messaging does that for you. And so if you have an offer, uh, that is good and compelling. What makes it compelling is equal parts pulling the right people in and pushing the wrong people away. Most entrepreneurs don't think about that. They think the idea is what's going to capture the market. No one cares about your idea. Like just to be totally honest, like your idea is totally meaningless. 
because there are startups that fail every day and they have a great idea, even a great product to go along with it, but their offer is just terrible. It's too broad. Uh, it doesn't talk specifically to an individual's pain points or problem. And when you do that, it leads to people not being able to resonate with your brand or what it is that you're trying to do, which means that you will slow, you will die a very slow death as a business, <laughs> as you see. And this is what happened sure. to us. Like the first uh, couple years, we basically, and maybe this happened to you too, we would have a company come to us like, when we first started off, we wanted to focus on startups and that's what we ended up doing. But when a healthcare company came to us and was like, Hey, you guys do app development. We really like you guys. Can you build our app too? Sure. Why not? Let's throw up on the website that we work with startups and healthcare companies. And then when a small business comes to us and says like, Hey, can you guys manage our social media? I mean, yeah, we can like, okay, now we do social media too. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then our website just becomes this cobbled mess. That doesn't talk to anyone or doesn't talk to anyone specific well, it's, point. It's, it's not doing that is kind of scary though. Yeah. You know? It's that early entrepreneurship uh, FOMO, that fear, right? If you don't yeah. say yes to everybody, then I'm not going to be making money. And if I'm not making money, I'm not going to be successful. And so right. to your point, it happens every day. People forget this is what I'm building. I can say yes to everybody. And if I do that, I'll make a little bit of money, but what I've done is I forgot about the path I'm trying to follow. And so you're right. Then it becomes, I can just do whatever you want. I'm a handyman at that point. I'm not, right. I'm not specialized into a field. And as soon as you started describing the steps, I was like, yep, I've been there. Right. I've been there. Yeah. I've seen it. We've done all of that. And it, it is, uh, it's hard to get back away from it. You know, now I would tell you in my specific industry, right. If I'm appealing to someone that's in the military to do their their home sales, right, then that's where I go. But fortunately for me, if someone that's not a veteran wants to sell a house, there's no difference in selling a veteran's right. house to selling a regular. So for me, it works out. But uh, if if I want to be like an agent that helps sell houses then you just can't run around and do 500 rentals because then now you become a rental specialist and you'll get so many people that want to rent houses, which is important. But if that's not your focus, you're not out there hustling to try to find like a listing that you want to put on the market. So um, yeah, you got to be specific. And that's, I mean, it's, it, it's hard to not say no when you're first starting, you know, it's like, uh, well, especially when you're, especially when you're hurting for money and you just uh -huh. need yeah, yeah. the money to Bills do it. A lot of the founders on, we work with. Yep. Yeah. A lot of the founders we work with are married. Uh, they have kids, they have bills to pay. Uh, if somebody comes to them and says, well, I'll pay you X number of dollars for this thing that you don't really do, but can you just do it for me? It's very hard to say no to that, yeah. uh, but you have to, like you have well, to, because then to that the person tells their friends, no. yeah, they tell their yeah. friends and I got a good <laughs> deal on it. And then they tell their friends. And before you know it, you wanted to do this, but now you've got all these people that want you to do the thing that you really don't want to do, but you can't say no now because you got so many people coming in the door that you just see it as, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just get by for a little bit doing this and then I'll get back to that. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it, right. it doesn't always happen. And is that, is that particular situation? Is that something why you see a lot of startups or people that are, have good ideas fail and, and, and close down is because they do that yes to everyone and they don't stay specific to what they're doing? Yeah, I feel like it's less of that and just not even getting specific in the first place. Like they don't even oh. know how to do it because it's a really difficult thing 
to take an idea out of your head and turning into a really compelling offer and get specific. Um, and a lot of entrepreneurs have a lot of, a lot of trouble doing that. I mean, we've all, you know, everybody has met an entrepreneur and if you've met an entrepreneur, especially the ones who are kind of idea people, pulling the idea out of their head and something that's coherent and understandable is a very difficult thing to do because that will, we'll run off and, and I'm not, you know, I'm a hypocrite cause I do this too, but like, oh, me kind too. Of run off on, yeah, we kind of run off on tangents of all these things that we want to do and these possibilities. And that is not something that's understandable for the general consumer who's thinking about buying your product. Like whatever's in your head needs to be translated into something and be made so clear and specific that if the right person looks at it, they think that you are driving in the car next to them, living in their living room, like sitting next to them at work. Like you know them so well and you have phrased your offer in a way that makes to them seems kind of creepy that you know so much about them. But on the same token, on the other side, if somebody reads your copy or looks at your website and sees what's meant for the other person, that person's going to be repelled away from your brand. And that's when you know you have, like when you're onto something, is when you have created an offer that is equal parts bringing people in that are the right people you want to work with, but then also pushing people out who are, the, like if somebody visited our website today at Launchbeer, can we do idea validation and product development and then marketing and fundraising for a startup who, or a business, like if they're building an internal product, sure. The process is the same, but if that kind of company came to our website, they would immediately leave because they're like, nope, this is not meant for us. But if an entrepreneur who is at the idea stage and was ready to do something with the idea and they've been thinking about it for a long time and they're just not sure what to do, if they visit our website, they're going to look at it and say, there is no one else out there who is talking to me the way that they are talking to me. And if you can do that and get it to that point where strangers are saying that and doing that, then you're definitely, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. It just means like that's the first major step. And if you don't get that step right, nothing else is going to matter. You could build the best product in the world, the best team, get great press and all that stuff. But like, if you can't get that part right, then at some point it's going to, you know, really hurt you, which is what happened to us. Like it took me years to get clear and it really, it came at a point when I was about ready to quit. This is about like that, that two years I said it was really difficult. Yeah. At the end of that two years, because my wife had to go back to work, we weren't making as much money as we wanted, which didn't feel good. I had two, I had two kids at the time who were young, like I think they were like six and four, seven and five, um, and I was like, "This isn't fair to them. Uh, I got to figure something else out." And so I did two things at the same time. On the one hand, I started applying for jobs. I was like, "Okay," I was making good money before I, I left to start the company, so I was like, "Well, I can just go back to work and." you know, make pretty close to the same amount of money I was making before, which was great. Like more money than my family's ever made. You know, I was homeless for a time when I was a kid. My family's never made more than like 20K a year. I was making way more than that. So like not the end of the world. But on the other side, I was like, well, if I'm going to be looking into that, why don't I just try to be crazy and get very specific and focused on whatever offer we're presenting to the public? Because I thought it wasn't going to work. I, I was still locked in the mode of if I turn people away, then it's going to hurt us and we're not going to make us money. But I was already looking for a job. So it was like, it kind of gave me the freedom to like, you couldn't lose, just go ahead. Yeah. It was like, if I lose, I could just get a job. Like, but now is a good time to just be crazy. Cause if it, it's like throwing at home, Mary, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Oh, for sure. But it did but, work. Cause and like, that's what's the crazy, time, the, right? The, yeah. It was, it, 
I mean, it worked so well that like from that point when I made that decision to six months later, I went from almost quitting, shutting it down and going and getting a job to six months from that point, having 15 employees in office instead of working above my garage and like payroll and stuff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. huge change. Completely uh, different set of uh, variables and stressors than where's yeah. the money coming from. Now it's like, I need the people to help. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's just funny that I don't know. You watch movies and you watch TV and you hear motivational people speak, you know, um, they always find the right thing to do mm -hmm. when there's no hope. And I think yeah. the reason for that is what you just said, right? I had nothing to lose. Yeah. I'm either going to go get a job because I know I could do that. I know I could get a job. But while I'm waiting for people to call me back, I'm just going to do this. And when you did that, boom, it takes off, right? And you... It, it worked out. And it's probably one of those situations where you're like, I can't believe like it was that. And, and here's what's, it was that easy. I just had to do that. Mm -hmm. I just had to do that one well, thing. That, it was very frustrating when it happened. <laughs> I was like, I could have done this two years ago. You know? Right. Uh, but that's what I mean. <laughs> but then let's, let's, let's talk about it this way though. Would you be able to help people as well as your company can, if you would have never went through that two years? No, because I, I wouldn't have been able to, I feel like it would be hard to impart this lesson on people without having gone through that part myself, you know, like yeah. getting a lot of people speak broadly about this topic, you know, like, oh, you got to get clear on your offer and you got to, you know, a lot of times when I see it, it's kind of like platitudes they read from like some Tim Ferriss book or something, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like not from actual reality like for me it was actual reality you know from a person who was married who had two kids who had a good job uh came from a rough background that career i had before starting the company i had made it like i was making a, a good amount of money at the job i was doing with the career that like i had fridays off worked pretty good hours uh which is a situation i feel like a lot of the entrepreneurs that we work with are in where it's like their life is comfortable enough um and so starting a startup those times of uncertainty can be a little bit scary because they're comparing it to their life of certainty of showing up every day to go to work. If I didn't have that time where things were wildly uncertain and I, I kind of got into a desperation mode, I don't think I'd be able to as confidently impart lessons to the people that we work with um, as opposed to like reading from quotes on motivational posters that are posted on Twitter or something like that. You know? Yeah, I mean, you can... <laughs> I'm this way. And I think everybody's different, right? There's, I'm sure there's plenty of people in the world that have read a book or, or, or saw some, some speech or something and like, boom, it clicks and they get it and they, and they roll through. But I'm more of a guy that like, like I need to see it, do it, touch it, feel it, experience it so that I know what it takes to do it. Right. It's, it's more of a learning as you go. Right. And, and call that the, the, the 20 year military career. Right. The only thing that I was ever taught, and I think it, I think it's very valuable for everybody. I don't think you hear it as much in the civilian sector as they call it nowadays, but in order to succeed, you have to fail. And the only way you're going to know what it takes to earn something is to, is to not get it right. right. Not, not get what you want. Failing, uh, being told no, um, being rejected from things. And, and I'll tell you what, like, coming out of the military after 22 years and there's still times right now 
that that like it bothers me like it affects me because you grow this career in the military and and you get to a certain level like i retired as a senior chief in the navy which is an, an e8 right yeah so i was able to train and lead and people looked to me for advice and people just naturally because of where i was at in my position in the military we were there to help everybody around us that was our job like i said earlier you know, it's not about me, it's about everybody around me. And if they're successful, then we're all successful. If everybody works together, we get it done. So you come out of the military on this high, right? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm super great at what I do. And then you come out and people are like, I don't even care. Right? Not, not that they don't care, right. but it's like, that doesn't equal. And so now, after 20 years of success, you have to rebuild. That is a, it's, it, completely is not something that that you would expect to have to do especially after you know it's like i'm i'm a celebrity making a hundred million dollars and i'm on top of the world and then all of a sudden one day i found out that my accountant is not keeping the books proper and i got no money you know what i mean <laughs> right and i'm like wait yeah. what and so you, you've got to figure that out and i struggle with that sometimes now just going through and that's the real reason that i do what we're doing right now i like to learn from a whole bunch of people in all different arenas. And I think it's important for veterans, which is who I like to talk to. Like we're getting out in some cases, like you did, you, you did your three, four years, you got out and then you, you moved on. There's a lot of people to do a career in the military. And at that point, what am I going to do? Like, right. how is this yeah. going to work? Right. I'm going to get a little bit of money, but to your point, I've got a family, I've got kids, uh, you know, like me, I, I got, I got one kid in college. I got another one going to college next year. You know, my wife and I are here, like everybody's got to live, right? But I think that that fear of the unknown drives you trying to be comfortable, right? Like you were saying just now, like those entrepreneurs you guys talk to are, they have good jobs. And normally right. people that have good jobs like that, that I've seen as I've gotten out of the military, guys that work in all different sectors, if they have a really good job and they're making really good money, it means they're really good at what they do. And that also means they probably have ideas, which is why they come see you. And, you know, do you think that some people don't attain the goal that they're looking to get because they have that comfort factor? Like, oh, my job's good over here. So if this works out, I'm all right. How many people do you see not believe in themselves and don't take the chance and just go back to what's comfortable? Yeah, I think we all kind of know some of those people. Like they're, they're the people that come into work you know, this is in the military and outside of the military too, who mm -hmm. are constantly complaining about work every day. <laughs> That's like their whole, their whole day. Like all they're doing is complaining about like, oh, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did that. Mm -hmm. And then when you ask them like, well, why don't you just go start your own thing or do something else? They're like, oh, you know, I've thought about it. Like I'm thinking about some stuff and it's like, they'll never do it because yeah. they're just locked into that comfort level, which is fine. Like I'm, I never pretend that everyone should be an entrepreneur uh, because not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Do I think everybody can be an entrepreneur? Yes. But do I think everybody should be? No. Some people just aren't made to be entrepreneurs and that's okay. Like, but for the people who are choosing not to be an entrepreneur because it's risky or because they're afraid of what the unknown is, building a startup or a business today isn't the same as it was even just five or 10 years ago, like back then it was risky. You'd have to have a very high upfront investment. And depending on the business you're starting, that is still somewhat true. We work with tech startups. So in our industry, it's a little bit different. You can 
work remote. You can build something on the side. You can uh, slowly progress the company and try to get off the ground, unlike what I did, as you still work at your day-to-day job. I mean, what else are you going to do if you want to do something else? I mean, go look at your Netflix account and see how many hours of Netflix you've watched over the last two weeks. Like, pretend you didn't do that. Pretend you did it to build your startup instead. Now, again, that's not necessarily true for every type of business. Like, sure. if you want to build a cookie sh- store, you got to get the rent. You got to do that. But there are still, even with that, a lot of ways to build something small and kind of just work your way into entrepreneurship. And I think if you are, you know, because I, for me, what started me like really being serious about wanting to do this was attending some startup events in town and some local competitions and kind of just getting my feet wet with entrepreneurship, building little side projects with my friends that were zero risk. It was just random fun stuff that we wanted to do. And that really lessened the fear. For me, it lessened the fear too much to the point where I decided I'm going to drop everything and quit. But you don't have to do that. You know, <laughs> you don't have to do what I did. Like You can build something on the side and get into entrepreneurship without having to go all in. The thing I don't want you to do, anyone, is look back five years from now or 10, 15 and say, man, I wish I, w- I would have started something sooner or I wish I would have started this sooner because yeah. you're not going to lessen the amount of obligations that you have. Your no. bills are just going to increase. Costs are just going to go up. The kids that you have, you're just going to get more of them. Uh, you know, None of that stuff will lessen. So there's no better time to start a startup than when you had none of that, which was like pre-bills, pre-mortgage, any of those things. Second best time is right now. The worst time you can do it is like, continuing Never. to wait until your <laughs> obligations grow and then it then the risk factor does just keep going up because yeah. you have more to lose you know yeah. so if you're going to do something and you're listening to this like do something right now like <laughs> nothing drastic but at least do something you know? yeah but i mean even even the smallest thing that someone can do to to take that chance into entrepreneurship or start their own thing or be their own boss is to some people a drastic step right like mm-hmm. that that to do that and be on your own is a very, very unique comfort level. And if you mm-hmm. are an uncomfortable person, I think fear keeps a lot of great people from doing that, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we learned all the time, there's no good time to do anything ever at all. Right. Nothing. There's not a perfect time for anything. The best time to do anything is right now. And you just said it. Like right now, don't wait. Like... I, it's funny that you just said the comment, like, don't wait and go 10 to 15 years and, and look back and wonder what if, right? We, we say that to people all the time about marriage, about, uh, you know, jobs that you maybe could have taken or promotions that you could have done or an opportunity to move somewhere, right? For my, my son specifically, it was playing sports, right? He played a sport. And uh, he decided halfway through, like, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to play anymore for whatever reason he wanted to do. Dad was more crushed than he was, by the way. (laughs) But I was like, look, man, if you're going to, if you're going to quit playing, right. Or stop playing, it's your decision. But I told him the same thing, even about something as simple as that. You only are going to go to high school one time. You're only going to experience this time in your life once, right. You're only going to graduate high school one time. These memories that you make today. Some people have fond memories of it and they talk about it forever and some people don't, but there's a lot of people 
that are like, oh, yeah, I could have. Just like you said with startups. Oh, I thought about doing it. Ten years from now, they're yeah. in a bar. And, and, and I came up with the idea for Uber ten years ago. It's like, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for and, and so funny part is it happens too much. Like when I was doing my uh, my undergrad, my degree while I was in the Navy, we had to come up with an idea for a product in a marketing class mm -hmm. that I did. And my idea for a product was a cup holder on a shopping cart. <laughs> I'd never seen it. I was like, just put your cup in there and walk around the store instead of it falling all over the thing, right? Right. I swear to God, like five or six years later, I started walking into grocery stores and targets and all these places, freaking cup holders on shopping carts. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> and could it have been great or big? Could somebody have already done it? Maybe, maybe it was already in the works, but I don't know. And I never took, maybe not. Yeah. At the time I was like, I just need to get a good grade in this class. Right? right. So let me come up with a good idea and come to find out the idea that was there is one that you could do. And so when you pass those up, it's like anything all the time, you know, and, and especially with being a military recruiter for so many years, we would talk to people and guys would be like, oh, I was going to join whatever service a long time ago, you know, but I didn't. Or the one that we hear more than ever from a lot of people, especially in certain parts of, of, of the, the cities and of the country where you go, far too many people that haven't attained a successful track like you did, like you took that chance and you became successful and, and everything you've done before now has led you to this point. Those people that have never taken that chance and become successful on themselves, we'd always hear them go, oh, I got out after five years and I kick myself in the butt for it every day. I'd be retired now. And it's like, well, after talking to you today, I'm thinking, well, what chances did you pass up after you got out that you wouldn't even be thinking about the fact that you didn't stay in the military for a career because we already know that right. you complained about it every day when you were in that's why you yeah. got out right and 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 with everything you know uh we would talk to kids all the time that said hey i talked to this guy and he said that x amount of service is crazy you don't want to do it for this reason and they're gonna treat you like crap and all that so we would tell them why don't you go back and ask that person why they got out nine times out of ten they got kicked out or they blamed the world on all of their problems and they never wanted to take a chance right they never wanted to give right. it a fair shake and so it's like the world is like that today too the barrier to entry and everything is great because there's a lot of fear around the world right like supply yeah. chain and gas prices are up and what am i going to do if i catch you know covid and i got to be careful and i got to like everybody's all so worried about the precautions to everything like that entrepreneur spirit those people, you fearless. They, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be scary. Just gotta face that fear, right? And you know, I yeah. think that people listening today, I hope they can see that. Believe in yourself, take a chance, and bet on you. If you do that, sky's the limit. And then you just get partnered with the right people, and they'll help you through it. There's so much help and resources, right? Like for what you guys do, you know, it's, it, it, it helps people realize that it's going to be okay. You know, and, and in you, it's, I've already been there. I've done all these things. I'm going to tell you what not to do because I've already done it. Yeah. And already made them sick. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know what? I would bet you that a lot of people still make those mistakes. Oh, hundred percent every day because they are like, ah, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Yeah. Everybody thinks that even I think that sometimes and yeah, it's like, yeah. because as entrepreneurs, we do have to have 
some level of ego, right? I mean, there just oh, has to be sure. some there. Cause if you had no confidence in yourself or your ability to overcome the issues other people have dealt with, we would never do anything because we would always be living in fear of like, well, what if that happens? Like, Oh, I'm just not going to do it. Like, but it has to be a healthy amount. Like for us oh, for at sure. launch Pier, our job isn't necessarily to, somebody said this the other day, one of our founders said this, and I thought it was good. It's like launch Pier isn't here to tell you what to do. It's here to give you guardrails between what you should and shouldn't be doing. Uh, and then it's your choice to drive your car over the guardrails or to stay within those guardrails. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, they either have no guardrails at all, or they, their guardrails are so constricted that they will never change. Like there's just no way that they will deviate from the current thing that they're doing. Like, and so they'll never really become entrepreneurs because they're just so locked into like, what does my life look like right now? It's too risky for me to make a change. I'm just not going to do it at all. Um, don't do that. Like if there's one lesson I, I hope that people get from the show, especially the veterans who are listening to this, veterans make great entrepreneurs. Like whenever people apply to our program and we're looking to try to spot people that would be a good fit and we take a lot of factors into consideration where we're trying to enroll someone into the program, if they have veteran as part of their background, as long as they weren't like dishonorably discharged for obvious reasons, um, we look at that really favorably because at least that tells me that this person is probably, if they weren't kicked out, coachable, they understand how to take mentorship, they understand what hierarchy looks like, uh, they understand to a certain extent how to work with other people, hopefully. Um, they have some level of grit and determination because you at least had to build that a little bit in the military. Those are great characteristics and traits for an entrepreneur. And if, if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur and you're a veteran, don't let those skills go to waste by sitting in an office for 40 hours a week when you don't want to, if you want to do that and that's, that's your, that's great. I'm super happy for you. But if you feel like your talents are wasted by doing that, please, whether it's us or anything, like every town has an, an incubator program. Ours is a little bit different, but go find someone to help you take that skill set that you have and those, that internal drive that you have and go do something with it. Now, don't wait 10 years to, to do it. When some yeah, fake no, thing is going to happen, think, it's going to give you like the green light or something. For sure. Well, veterans are, are good entrepreneurs because they're they're disciplined and, and they can hold themselves accountable, right? And so that yeah. you hear that all the time. Veterans make the best this. But I think the problem is, you know, as, as a veteran and being in a veteran community, you know what we like to do, right? Tell all mm -hmm. our buddies the stuff that happens that's really bad. And then everybody else <laughs> is like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. So veterans on the yeah, that's opposite true. end of the spectrum... <laughs> than an entrepreneur is, right? Because I would imagine that entrepreneurs that hear what you guys are telling them, you're putting those guardrails up and you're going, look, we've done it this way, or we've seen a lot of people do this. And every time somebody's done it, they've gone off the road, right? Yeah. And when that entrepreneur goes off the road, their spirit is going to go, well, I had to try. Like I had to be the one to, to make it through. And if I wouldn't have tried, then who would I be? And you're like, yep. That's exactly the thinking that you need, but those entrepreneurs right. are willing to fail, right? That's, I think another key is true entrepreneurs are willing to fail and bang their head against the wall until they get it right. And they're just not going to give up. They're fearless. Whereas veterans, we're fearless to a certain extent. Like yeah, I'll go run, true. like people are shooting, I got it. I'm going to go do that all day long. But you put a veteran into an entrepreneurship where they've got to start their own business. They're like, man, I'd rather be getting shot at right now. And you're like, what? <laughs> He's like, it was way less pressure. Because 
the fear of the unknown and what's going to happen next is not trainable as an entrepreneur, right? So as a no. veteran, you're way more equipped than you think. Because even though I trained you what's going to happen in this scenario, it doesn't always happen that way. And you just figure right. it out. But we don't realize that because we really feel like we're trained to understand like what's going to happen next. This is what I got to do. These are the steps. And it always works out, right? But you always have the military version of a launch pair out there. You have your mentors and your your senior enlisted guys that have they've been around the block and they've done it. They can see it's coming and they kind of set you into the path that you're going to kind of make the mistake, but they know that you'll get through it, right? They right. allow you to make mistakes to grow, but they don't allow you to make those mistakes that are detrimental. And I think that's where you guys come in with entrepreneurs. Like you're going to make the mistakes, but let me tell you like the showstoppers, right? Like if you do these things, it's going to be very detrimental. And I think that's case by case. Are you a single guy that it doesn't matter? Or are you married with three or four kids and you got to pay a mortgage? Like the, the level of risk for those two people is completely different. Yeah. And, you know, it just goes through. But I do, I like that you guys see that in a veteran. And you're a veteran yourself, so you understand, you know, like you had to go through adversity, right? You had to learn how to work with people even if you didn't like them. Like you had to do that. Yeah. There's no <laughs> other way to get through that career or 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 enlistment unless you learned to do it. Like you had to realize like the easiest way to get out of the military is to do your time the right way. It's the easiest right. way. If you try to do it any other way, those are the people that come out and they hate it. But what's really crazy is those are the people that are always looking for all the benefits that come from being in the military. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you hated it yep. while you were in, but now you want to take advantage of all this other stuff that you get for serving. And yep. so it's, you know, they all deserve it though, even if they hated their time, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things. I think it's uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Have you guys ever thought about um, getting into the skill bridge program. Are you familiar with what that is coming out of the military? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We're one of the initiatives that we have this year, uh, because we're kind of in growth mode right now is partnerships, uh, PR, you know, not as many people know about us as we want to know about sure. us. Um, that doesn't mean we're get we enroll people, uh, at a pretty good clip, but as a, a founder, I've spent a lot of time over the last, especially the last two years, really refining our process. Um, and you'll find this if you're an entrepreneur, like there's going to be time when you're going really fast and you kind of have to take your foot off the gas and focus on doing maintenance on the car, you know, like maintain yep. the speed, get in cruise, make sure all your processes and systems are good. Your customers are happy. People are getting the result they're looking for. And then once you've done that, go ahead and put your foot back on the gas. Um, at least that's how I run my business. Some businesses don't run that way, especially venture funded businesses. They'll just like keep the foot on the gas and try to repair the car as it's on the road. <laughs> sometimes that yeah, works. Yeah, and sometimes yeah, for it sure. does not. I mean, sometimes for you got to slow though, down we, to go we, fast. Yeah. And so for us, we slowed down, we went in cruise control, kind of made sure that our process and our systems and our program was really fine tuned. Um, and now we're at the point where it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing to do to put the foot on the gas? And one of those things is to partner with people, get our work, get our name out there, let people know that we exist a little bit more than what we've done in the past, you know, cause now we're ready to do that. We've 
refined everything, made it as perfect as it can be. Although a founder will never feel like their product is perfect, uh, but it's gotten close enough for me to feel good about it. And uh, now we're ready to grow. So yeah. yeah, I think for us getting partnering with companies like that or getting listed in a place like that is super important for us as we go into yeah, because, the end of 2022. Yeah, the military has that deal with SkillBridge where they can, you know, they the, the idea behind it, and I think where you guys would be different is I don't know if you'd necessarily be able to do SkillBridge because SkillBridge mm -hmm. is like you hire someone to come work at your company and right. then they, uh, they, they have the opportunity to get a job offer at the end of that. So it gives them an opportunity to get into the workforce. It's becoming more and more popular now. Like they just started it when I was retiring. But I think for you guys, I think anybody listening to this now, active duty veteran doesn't matter. Like you said it multiple times, you can do this stuff on the side. Yeah. Right. We've had you active have... duty people. We've had active yeah. duty people in our program actually. So uh, yeah. one of them had to take a break last year because he ended up surprised, like suddenly getting deployed for a year. He didn't think he was going to get deployed, but we just had him pause enrollment. He was gone for a year. He came back, and then he just picked the program up again. We're and I'm sure he the had our things that he could jump into it from that deployment yeah. that he worked on while he was gone. I mean, well, and see the thing for our program that makes it different uh, is that we're fully remote. Um, it's part time, so you only need somewhere between five to seven hours a week. Um, we uh, don't have a a cutoff time like most accelerators and incubators are like twelve weeks and you're out. Uh, for us, it's 12 months, but that can be extended based on different circumstances. Um, well, I think we, that's more realistic, though, right? Like for it, just life, it, yeah. I yeah, mean, 12 for, weeks for, to start a business. If that was that easy, what everybody are you would do it. Do it. That? <laughs> yeah, that's why I never really liked the traditional incubator and accelerator model, other than for what it really is, which is honestly, it's really more about just networking. That's really mm -hmm. what most acceleration incubators are for, which is great and very valuable, but. They don't build your business or even get you to the point where you're able to do much during that 12 weeks. Most of it's about meeting good people, which is no, no knock on them. That's great. But no, that's, that's not an incubator essential. or an accelerator. But you guys it's, have more than that, right? You're more of like a you're like right. a mentorship program for these people that it, you know, it it's almost like there's there's services out there that do it. The small business association has, you know, you know, companies and entrepreneurs that'll mentor people. But you guys are doing the same thing. You're just not going, give me your money. Thanks for the 12 right. weeks. You're out. We'll give you another 12 weeks if you need it. And then, you know, you're paying more. It's just good to, you know, you guys are doing it different. And that's where, you know, you take the gas off and you go uh, get it refined and, and fixed up. Is there any, because like you said, right, you got to get into your niche and you got to know what you're looking to do and you can't say yes to everybody. Are there, are you guys tech focused or do you guys help like any entrepreneur is there any area where you're like oh we're not going to touch that right yeah so the only areas that uh we so definitely tech startups so anything in the software space or if your idea is very software backed you know um that's definitely in our wheelhouse there are large parts of our process that can be implemented if you're not in the software space and we're our next phase of growth is to start being able to work with those businesses too. Cause the reason that we haven't expanded to that group yet is like, to your point, we're not just mentoring people. Part of our process is actually building the product for our founders. So like we have a development team, a design team, a product management team, 
part of our process is building the first version of a web or mobile application for our founders who are in our program. But because we have that skill set, we don't have people who know how to manufacture shoes or toothbrushes or, you know. Um, so the next iteration of everything about our process can work well with any type of entrepreneur starting anything, as long as it's a startup and not a small business. Um, but we haven't gotten to that point yet, but I'm excited because so, like on our roadmap and on our long-term plan is like, we want to be able to work with any entrepreneur who's building a startup, but right now we're kind of restricted into the software space. So for everybody that's listening, because you just said something that made me think, right? Because I'm idea minded. I like to start new things. Can you just walk people through and maybe just help me understand? Maybe I just don't know yeah. the difference between a startup and a small business. That's a great question. And I actually do get that question quite a bit. So a startup is defined as obviously an early stage company. I, I feel like too many companies call themselves a startup when they have like 500 employees. It's like, that's not a startup, but a startup is a, is a company who wants to accelerate growth and do it on a nationwide or global scale, you know, and do it quickly. A small business is usually more local, you know, they're, Target customers are in a local centralized area. So think about like an actual physical storefront or think about uh, typically realtors uh, yeah. are, uh, you know, sm more like small businesses. Yep. Um, but if you're trying to stay within a localized area or region and you're not focused on hyper growth to go nationwide or it's not in a goal for you to either be acquired or raise venture capital within the next two years, you're most likely going to fall into that small business category. Like for us, I would consider us a small business. Like we're a small business. We're not a, we're not really a startup anymore. Even though we don't have 500 employees, we have 15 and then another 10 to 15 contractors. We're a small business. And that's because we're not, us ourselves are not looking to go raise capital anytime soon. And we're not trying to grow for growth's sake, like most startups do. Um, but the founders in our program are startups. Like they are trying to grow as fast as possible, do it get nationwide as fast as possible or worldwide as fast as possible. And they're trying to go raise outside capital to do it. If you're raising outside capital to do it from investors, you are definitely building a startup. If that's not, and you're looking for bank loans or something, then it could be a little bit wiggle room. There's a, I feel like there's a lot of gray area in the overlap. I feel like a lot of smart startups kind of start as small businesses like Uber, for example, it's a good example. When they first started off, they had the vision to expand out nationwide and worldwide, but they started off in downtown San Francisco as basically just a software backed taxi service. Like that's really what they were. The founders would be the ones driving people around. Like they didn't have any drivers the, the founders would be the ones driving them around. And they did this for months before they ended up hiring anyone to do it. Well, they were kind of a small business then they didn't really become a startup until they actually implemented the stuff to actually go nationwide. So there's some gray area there. I haven't really found a small business that I don't think could be a startup. It's just, it's the, a more of a mindset thing of like, does the founder want to scale or are they comfortable with keeping things local, small amount of customers, small team, small market? Yeah. It's kind of up to you. you know? So do you guys, <clears throat> when someone like, so if someone was to reach out with you guys, like, mm -hmm. you know, towards the end of what we're doing, I like to always finish off with like, so walk me through like, if I wanted to figure out if you guys are the right fit to help me, how would I go about like doing that? Do I, mm -hmm. you know, how would I connect with you guys? And what is that initial part of we can help you or we're not the right fit for you? What does that look like? 
Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about LaunchPeer, you can go to launchpeer.com. On that page, it gives everything about our program. Um, and then there's a button on that page that will send you to like a 15 minute video with me breaking down like our entire process step by step. Once you've watched that, then you can decide whether or not for you, if LaunchPeer is a good fit for you. If it is, the first step from there will be you sitting down and having a conversation with a member of our admissions team. It's really not a high pressure conversation. It's really just us spending about 15 to 20 minutes just asking you questions about what's your goals, uh, what you know, what's your idea. We always sign an NDA before those calls so people don't have to be worried about talking about their idea. Um, making sure that what someone is looking for and what they want to build aligns with our capabilities. At that point, if it does, then we'll tell you about more detailed customization on how our program can work for you because we work with founders all the way from like they're in college to active duty in the military to 30 years experience working for companies like Forbes or whatever, uh, very big range. And so our process, even though we have these guardrails, it usually gets customized a little bit based on the who the founder is, right? right. So we'll walk them through that. And then at that point, if you want to continue, then our admissions team will put together an admissions packet for you, which includes like just some general information and then an admissions video that somebody does, just telling us why they want to join Launchpeer. And then we, our admissions committee meets, typically it's once a month or bi-weekly, it depends on the time of the year, look at everybody's admissions information, and then we send out either an offer to join the program or a rejection letter based on anything. But most of the time when founders get rejected, and it, it's gotten to the point where it's gotten to the committee, it's usually because of some uh, something more along the lines of, is the founder a cultural fit for the program? You know, Do they seem coachable? Do they seem like they're going to take the mentorship? Do they seem like they're going to listen? Uh, do they seem like they're going to follow our advice? If those criteria aren't hit, there's no point in joining our program because if you're going to join and not listen to what we do, and then you're not going to get results, and then you blame us for not getting the result, like it's going to be a little uncomfortable <laughs> for everybody. Well, but that's the um, thing is like you guys are doing it the right way, man. Like you're not. Yeah, I'll work with everybody. Give me your money. Like you're telling people, sure. like you're not a fit for us because you're just not yeah. going to take it on. And I think that, I think that determining factor happens way too late in some processes where we've already started working, we've already invested this time and effort in you. And we've tried, right. it's like when you watch the TV shows, the guy gives the advice like 15 times and he just doesn't keep doing it. And then there's this huge blowout on the screen <laughs> yeah. because it's made for entertainment. But I think that happens in real life. Like I, I, we wanted to talk to you about all this stuff. We sent everything to you, You're constantly not doing it. Like you just don't want to work with us. And then there's this big blow up right. and it's bad. I like that you guys are doing that on the front end, right? At least you're telling somebody or in some cases, you can't work with this. Maybe it helps that person realize, man, maybe I need to change my outlook on some of this stuff in order to be successful, right? Maybe some people just don't realize they're doing it, right? And when you get that first no as an entrepreneur, you're either going to quit or you're going to keep going, right? Right. Yeah. And that that's one of the things that we look for. And one of the questions we have in our process is asking the founder what's like, what's been the lowest point in their life, you know? And not because we are trying to get like super personal with uh, them or anything, but because we work with founders so early, there's no numbers to dig into. There's no traction to look at. There's no 
you know, we don't, nobody really even knows if the idea is one that the market really wants yet. And definitely no offer has been created yet. The only thing we have to base our judgment on is the founder, you know, and, and it's such an overused term of like, well, we invest in the person more than the startup. Most of the time when investors say that it's not true, they're just saying that because it makes them look good for us. Sure. It's true because the only thing we have is the founder, like ideas are yeah, well, a dime I a dozen. So like the founder can change their idea next week yeah. if they want to. The person though, that's what we want to look at is like, are they yeah. the kind of person who we feel like we can work with? So, I mean, I would imagine that other incubators, as you've called them today, like I would imagine that they want to see some type of success to market for whatever someone's trying to do. Right. And they want to see that right. whatever you got is going to be successful in order for me to take you on. And from what you're saying is like, you guys have no idea if it's going to work. Right. Yeah. They might have tried to do something with friends and family. And of course, your friends and family are always going to buy the crap that they don't like because you made it because they don't want you to feel like you're not doing good. But the true right. test is, has anybody outside of your friends and family taken this on? Because that's where right. the market's at, right? Your friends and family should always support you. It doesn't always happen. But then again, your friends and family would be completely honest and be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, it, you know, and it's a scary world out there, especially if you're trying to do things on your own, you know, it's, that's, yeah. that's just good stuff. So, I mean, from the, the moment it goes in, uh, they watch the video, the video will tell them what mm -hmm. they need to know about the program. So that'll weed some people out there, right? They'll see that it may be too right. much what they're looking to do. And then after that, it's pretty much like, uh, what I'm familiar to a selection process for promotion, right? Like, Hey, we've got your application. We see everything. We think you're a good fit. You can come on. Um, and then after that, like, let's say the 12 months goes by, do you guys maintain like ongoing relationships with your founders to see how they're doing? Uh, do you find that they ever come back to you? Because, you know, like you said, right now you're in the, you're in the process where you've kind of put the brakes on a little bit and you're starting mm -hmm. to, to, you know, change the oil and tighten the belts, right? Do other right. people you've had in your program come back and go, Hey, we need some help doing that part and you help them there too. Or yeah. Okay. So it's been, it's one of those things where we, we want them to be involved and our alumni are involved as long as they want to be like we, okay. if they get the result in the program and they want to continue being part of the community, continue showing up for coaching. That's great. Like we highly encourage that. Um, but we talked about this earlier, like to maintain very, being very focused on this offer and what we're trying to do. We, know that our specialty is getting our founders to the point where our graduates get to and then it's time for them to go work with someone else like i could divert our attention and say like well now we're going to have this other offer of like we're going to help you do marketing after and we're going to help you do this and that maybe one day we will but for me right now to be hyper focused on our offer it's this is what we're good at we're good at a founder coming in with an idea building launching getting them to 100k or more in funding at that point here's some people that you can work with that are really good at this thing that you need after and we'll connect you with the right people but our job is to get you to the point where you've gotten to 100k whether in revenue or funding within a year and then post that like we'll connect you with the right people and resources to help you out so but we love when our alumni are involved because they are great examples of what founders can look forward to because our alumni because our program is very diverse our alumni are diverse as well like women uh, minorities, uh, military, uh, people who've had just regular 30 year careers and are now just, you know, at the point where they want to build a startup, doctors, lawyers, 
uh, vets, like veterinarians. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it's across the board, which I think is super cool. Like it's a, well, it just amazing shows you to that me how diverse no, the population yeah. of entrepreneurs is. Yeah. No matter what you've ever done in your life, there's somebody out there in anything and everything, you know, and like just having that, what you just said there, people look at doctors, lawyers, you wanted to be a lawyer, right? Right. We look at those people as the ultimate success in their life journey. And that guy's coming to you guys and going, yeah, it's cool, but I want to do something different. And most right. people that are normal are like, what do you mean? The doctor that's making all that money wants to do something different. It just shows you that there's people that want to do things for more than just money. You want to do it because yeah. you like it. You want to do it because you believe in it, right? And that's why doctors become doctors in most cases. Most doctors have experienced something in their past through friends or family that drove them to want to do medicine because of uh, something that happened. Um, but that doesn't mean they don't have other dreams, right? And so when you right. see that, you know, it would be crazy when you walk in the door and be like, man, this guy was like the ultimate surgeon and whatever, and he's graduated this program to sell candy or something. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. how, how does that work? And it's like, you see that passions outweigh money, right? It should. Yeah. Well, if you have that entrepreneurial itch, it's never going to go away. It's just a matter of like, are you going to do something with it or not? Yep. For and that's sure. It. For sure. Well, again, Jake, I, I appreciate all the time today. Like it was, yeah, I, I had a, sure. a, a good time just learning about how that journey goes. Right. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm in that fashion of like, I have tons of ideas in my head. I would like to do a ton of things. Uh, you look at things and you think they're not good. You look at things and think that they could be good. Like I said, I probably could have invented a cup holder on a shopping cart, but I never took the opportunity to try to make it happen. But when you look at uh, just everything you guys are offering, you know, people being a veteran yourself and, and, and helping veterans and just anyone to realize that dream of self-reliance right? Being your own boss. Everything that happens in your life is all about the effort that you put in and knowing that you guys mentor them through that process. It was, it was really good to learn about it. And I hope people learning to, that are listening today are, are going to reach out to you guys for assistance because, you know, I might have an idea or two that I'm going to shoot your way, right? Just to say, Hey, I would like to see how this works. And if you watch the video and it doesn't match, then it's all good, but yeah, all I good. Think it's a, <laughs> I think it's just, it's, it's a great, a great thing you guys are doing and I just appreciate that you guys have, have taken the chance to do it and and not been the type of people that are only concerned with how much money you're going to make from it and more concerned about you have this idea you want to be successful and I want to see you succeed right like that's our yeah. whole goal right because you guys have looked at it if you're successful then that means we are too like it, it right. our success drives off of you and that's you don't see exactly. that very much Cool, man. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate the time on the show. Great conversation. I don't get to talk to vets as much as I like, so as I'd like. Yeah. So, oh, I know it's really cool being on the show. Uh, <laughs> I know it's perfect. Ton. If uh, we do another one, we'll bring you on to just be in a round table and talk trash the whole time. How about that? That sounds great. I love doing every military guy loves doing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, cool, man. I really appreciate it. For sure. I appreciate it too. Uh, thanks. And, you know, again, if, if anybody's looking for help and you have an idea, uh, give them your website, tell them how they can get a hold of you, maybe an email if they have a question, just how can they get in contact with you guys to, to make yeah. the journey of entrepreneurship happen. So uh, if you want to learn more about LaunchPeer, just go to launchpeer.com. 
uh, we also have a podcast um, that we have as well. It's like a daily Q&A show. It's called Launch Chat. Uh, so you can go to launchchat.com. Um, if you have questions or anything, honestly, the best way to, to reach out, especially for the listeners of this show, is like just write me on LinkedIn. Um, I My DMs are open. So if you shoot me a message there, I'll answer any questions you got. Or there's a little chat bubble on the bottom right of our website if like for some reason you don't want to talk to me and want to talk to someone else. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I got all that written down. I'll try to, I'll put that in the comments down in the, in, in the video that we put on YouTube so people cool. can see those different links and they can jump into it. But again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I hope to, to have another conversation again sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah.